Welcome to episode number 12. This is Fonger News with the student manager. And today joining me, Marge Yamas. How you doing, Marge? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Marge is in the house with her husband, Chris Yamas, and their first child, 11-month-old Ellie. So if you hear some baby noises coming in, that's because maybe Papa can't handle little Ellie, right? (laughs) So Marge... Yamas. She is a high school, college, and career coordinator for a school district in Southern California. She's been doing it for five years, right, Marge? That's correct. And today, we have a lot to talk about. We sure do. Especially here, most of my audience and followers are here from the Orange County area, uh, Newport Beach, obviously a lot of Newport Harbor High School students, modern day students. We're expanding, and maybe even after this podcast, we can grow from 10 to 15 followers to maybe even more from uh, when you shout me out in your little story. Definitely. But before we begin, we always like to thank our executive producer, Murph Cargis. There he is, formerly. You know who Sugar Ray is, right? Yes, of course I do. Tell me one of their songs. I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, now you're going to put me on the spot? Um, I was. I there you go. just want Wanna to fly. fly. There you go. That's bring me back to my own high school days. That's like late 90s. Yeah. Right? Number one, I think. Right, Murph, in uh, end of July, early August? Mm-hmm. See, I know my music. All right, let's get down to it. High school career counselor and coordinator, high level, specifically, what's your responsibilities? So I work at the district office, but um, the main responsibilities are to make sure that our high school students are serviced in any facet related to college and career. So whether I'm bringing in certain programs to bolster AP um, test scores or IB test scores, whether I'm training counselors on the latest and greatest um, college news and information, acceptance rates, things of that nature. Um, work a lot with career technical education, making sure that our students are um, well equipped with knowing what's out there as far as careers and the most in-demand careers. Um, and then again, just working you know, working with our students one-on-one. We do about 10 parent college nights um, within mm-hmm. the year and a big college fair. Um, that's my biggest event in the year. Typically happens end of September, early October. But just making sure that you know everybody's aware of what is the latest and greatest college information. Making sure our students have the best classes possible. Excellent. By the time your podcast comes on, you're probably going to be in that college fair mode. Do you get mm-hmm. good turnouts in your area? We do. We get a pretty good turnout. It depends on what school it's at. One of our high schools has a bigger athletic following. And um, so when it's at our crosstown rival school, um, it's a little bit more difficult for those athletes who are getting out of practice to, you know, kind of move across town. But this year it's at our larger high school. And so we typically get about a thousand parents and it's district wide. So we invite K through 12 students to come and we always have a special um, kind of breakout session information session for our younger group of kids and what they can do as early as kindergarten to start to prepare it's never too early to start never too early And, and we call this the student manager murph knows the story i've been taking my kids visiting college campuses almost when joshua was four or five years old so it's wow. never too late to start all right so my audience out there, parents listening right now, they're they're listening to you and they're they're saying they're thinking to themselves, what can 
Marge give me? What can she talk about that can help me with my kids' process? So my first question is, in your five years, things have changed. So where have you seen it change the most? And where do you think we can help parents on today's episode? So the biggest thing is, is that every year, I share this with families, it only gets harder and harder. More difficult for your student not only to stand out, but to continue to get those good grades, to get that good test score. So how are you going to stand out amongst that group? And so we actually publish admissions data for Cal States and UCs and even private schools. And so I tell families, if your student isn't on these averages or meeting these averages, you know, it's only going to get harder. And sometimes, you know, we have to share old data because the new stuff mm -hmm. hasn't come out. And so, you know, I'll hold up a piece of paper and I'll say to our parents, this here is, you know, based on last year. So you have to think that all of the data for this coming year is going to just be higher. So if you're looking at a UCLA and you see an average GPA of 4.2, you got to bet that it's probably going to be almost a 4.3 in the coming year because it just gets more and more competitive. So with that said... Ellie is 11 months, class of 2038. Are you yes. scared? Yes, I am scared. But I'm also a big believer in that match and fit, finding the right school for Ellie or for any of your listeners, students. It's all about finding the right school. And that I truly believe there's a good school and the right school for every student. So let's focus on that because a lot of my guests have come on some have transferred. Mm -hmm, very common. Some have actually found the right school, right? Now, do you think maybe the parents are listening? Because I try to emphasize, I try to re reiterate, there's a school for everybody. It's not the school that your parents want you to go to. You're smiling because you probably <laughs> are, hear it all the time. So let's talk about finding the right school. So it's easy, you know, to look around this area, Orange County, even LA County, uh, you know, what what attracts students to schools? It's typically big football programs, right? So you're looking at your USC, your UCLA. What else is very attractive when you see kids, right? It's typically what's across their chest on what they're wearing. So what I call those sweatshirt schools. So whether or not they're Ivy League or up there because they're being funded by money. And so those programs are typically you know, those schools that have big football programs or big basketball programs. And so that's what that's what appeals to kids because that's right. what they see on TV. Um, and so what's important in that is, yes, you're going to find that there are a handful of kids that find those schools to be the right fit. But um, I always use this example with our parents. I typically have people come up to me and say, Margaret, I, I've got it. I figured it out. I know what school I'm going to go to. And they say, oh, I'm going to go to UCLA. And I'm like, that's, you know, that's great, Michael. Tell me why you want to go to UCLA. And they'll say, well, I'm going to major in business. And then I normally slump down in my chair and I say to myself, well, that's great, Michael. However, UCLA doesn't have a business program. So maybe we should look at a different school. That's probably not the best school for you. And so really that's what it's about and so when i'm working with students we talk about the five non-negotiables so finding out what those things are so for a lot of parents it could be money it could be that that school has your major it could be that that school's close to the beach or they want to be in a place that has four seasons so whatever those five things are i typically tell families to find out what those five things are and then you build your list accordingly 
So if you're looking at a school and it doesn't have all five of those things, it probably shouldn't be on your list. So then that's when I, I love your terminology. You call it a sweatshirt school. Yes. Parents out there, those are, I have friends. I'm not going to name drop anybody. They love wearing that sweatshirt with that brand name. And I call it the brand schools, right? The big mm -hmm. football schools. And they don't really think about the other little schools. But my takeaway, what I just heard, was the five negotiables. Right, five non-negotiables. Non -negotiables. Yeah, it's Thank not you. negotiable. If you don't have them on your, if you don't have that school doesn't have those things, then you shouldn't apply there. So the five non-negotiables: money, being one for families, typically, yep. The major, mm -hmm. and uh, geographic, right? Geography. It could be whatever those things are. But long as yeah, we kind of talked are. a little bit about like learning support services. If your child needs those things, that should be one of your non-negotiables. You should be looking at a school. All schools have learning support services, but every school differs in how they deal with those services. And some schools are way better than other schools in that stuff. So it's whatever your individual child needs. Now you could have three kids and each of them have five different non-negotiables, right? Because they're all different. They all have different needs. What else would you advise and recommend to parents and students as they make their selection? So I think it's important um, that early on, um, you look at what school you look at schools right so if you have How early i mean as early as elementary school but even even if you're you aren't doing a specific um you know like formal tour if you're just walking on campuses if you're on vacation and there happens to be a college campus right nearby just walk through the middle of the campus and let your student kind of feel what that is right and it doesn't have to be oh because i want you to go to this particular school it should just be that they want to see what that school is right. what what do colleges look like and kind of what that's about and then you start to narrow those things down typically i tell families that not to really visit schools if you you know if you're strapped for money um, until you've actually been accepted so you could kind of do like a later trip um, in the spring of your senior year. But if you have the means and you want to go look at schools, go for it. I think you should. That's a great point you make because obviously, especially around here, people have the resources. When I say around here, Orange County, specifically Newport Beach, right? People are going to go out. Well, some do, some don't. I'm like, what are you waiting for? Mm -hmm. Right? Go out and visit it early. Have that experience. But if you can't visit it, I do hear lot of seniors that have come on the show and as well as people in college they wait until they get accepted right. if they get accepted they're going to go look at it mm -hmm. then they're senior then year. that makes sense you right you have skin in the game you're like okay now i've got to decide between these two schools where can i see myself fitting it's a temporary time but you also have to think about if you're leaving the state or leaving home you're not going to be living at home can i temporarily live there for four years can i be in this environment for four years so what are you seeing, because we had this discussion earlier, in your school district and the most, uh, should I say, institutions or colleges people are looking at, they're the CSU system, correct? Correct. Mostly CSU and UCs, depending on, of course, GPA. But, you know, we're about 74% Hispanic in the area that I work in. And, um, you know, they parents don't want their students to go far. That's typically number one. And number two, the student doesn't want to leave their house, right? They want to be kind of in that area. We talked about it a little bit. And right. That Miho, Miha syndrome. They want to stay home. 
And I'm like, fly, fly, <laughs> spread fly your like wings. Mur- yes. Fly like Murph Cargis exactly. over here. But the Miho syndrome, that's the stay home. But you're seeing it in your school district. We also see that maybe not in the same level, but at some of the high schools around here locally. Sure, but you could also see, too, that these students are going to, you're in this demographic that students are going, right? They're, they're, they think that they're strong enough to fly, and then they go to these places and they realize, oh my gosh, this is a culture shock. I'm not meant to be in the middle of the South that I've never been in before, right? I need the beach that I'm used to for the last right. 18 years. And they transfer. So what can you tell the audience listening about maybe finding first finding that right school but how do you experience that right uh maybe they can't go visit that school prior to being accepted but they get accepted and they're going to that campus just one time right what do you look for when you're on that campus you it's hard in six hours to really determine if this is going to be the right place for you or not. So there's some good websites. One of them that I really like um, talks a lot about student experiences and students can, it's almost um, like a kind of like a Facebook, Instagram type website. It's called Unigo, U-N-I-G-O. Okay. And .com, I believe it is. And the students can actually get like direct feedback from the students who are on that campus. They can see pictures, right? Because like I said, it's like a feed, like a Facebook or Instagram where the students can see that type of stuff. Doing virtual tours, uh, I would say connecting with the admissions representative who's there. Uh, Going to college fairs, because typically, specifically those out-of-state schools or private schools, if you see these people at a college fair, they're going to be able to tell you. They're going to tell you what that campus is like. Of course, they want you to go there, but I think it's pretty obvious if you're talking about a student who's lived in Newport or in this general vicinity that, you know, the things that they're commonly used to, I think their parents should be helping them to understand, like, you know, maybe there isn't going to be a Starbucks on every corner or, you know, all that good food that you like to eat. You're hearing that? parents out there (laughs) it's different it's a different environment and we're very lucky and we're very spoiled right if you're going to back if you're going somewhere back east it's pretty obvious that the weather's not going to be the same right if you're going to new york or boston you're gonna need a coat it's going to snow you're gonna get snowed in you have to think about kind of all of those things i think those are the things that are obvious but you also have to think about the political climate of those areas You have to think about, um, you know, the demographics of that area. Is it similar to where you live here? Is that going to be a problem for you? Um, Religion, I think, is a big part of it, too. If you're going to some of those smaller southern areas, think about what, you know, what their religious views are. I think this is the stuff that people don't talk about and they don't really realize that that stuff all exists and what that's going to look like for a kid. Marge, you're giving great insight because at the end of the day, these parents are looking at the sweatshirt. Right. Right? They want the big Bama. You know how many people transferred from Bama back to California from modern day just in the last year? I I can guess, but... <laughs> it's more than one. I... Matter of fact, one was a guest here. Okay. Right, Murph? You remember. So let's talk about now that they found the right school. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're going to get into the admissions application sure. and the process. One thing that you have a passion for mm-hmm. is essays. Essays. And Love to help kids write essays. 
Did you hear that? She loves to help kids write essays. And we're pumping up um, Marge Yamas right now because if we get enough interest, especially from this Orange County area where people will pay to help their kid, right, with the essays, we might do a little seminar. We could. Yeah, we could. Is it your boot camp? boot camp and I can do it kind of in a smaller condensed um I you know I help kids it's like I said it's one of the things that I really love to do I love to read kids essays um I've done it uh for students at modern day I've done it um you know for really anybody I mean we offered it to our pediatrician you know she her daughter's actually at uh Orange Lutheran and she's like I don't know anything about this and you know we're sitting in the doctor's office my daughter isn't down to her diaper and where she's talking to me about her daughter and this college process and i said well here's my email you know have her email me her essays and i'll read them for her so it's really just something i like to do i know i'm crazy to read kids essays but i love it so let's talk about the essays high level because the last few guests i've been having been really focusing on college essays mm-hmm. separating yourself making a difference having an impact what can you tell my audience about that essay so between the Common App, which is private school applications, and the UCs where you have to write um, essays, and then typically there's other schools kind of in between depending on where you're going, um, you have anywhere from 600 words for the com- 650 words for the Common App and 350 words for the UC personal statement um, questions. So really what it is is how do you get in that period of time, how do you stand out? It's not a whole lot of words, even on the Common App. That's not a lot to be able to really tell a story. Um, And actually that's kind of what I tell kids to do is find a moment within their high school career that they can write a short story about or an an anecdote. So you will, and so that's kind of what I get kids to do. We we paint the picture of writing stories um, because they're not used to that. When they're in their English classes, you know, it's very structured five paragraph essays. And I Mm -hmm. tell the kids like, forget that your English teacher is in this room because she's not here. That's not what the colleges want to see. They want to see you paint a picture for them about who you are as a person, who you are as a student, and what your experience has been like. Can you give me some examples high level of some specific experiences in general, not mentioning names or whatever, but to give my audience a sample or or a, a thought process of what they should be thinking about. Sure. So, for instance, on the UC, there's a, there's one of the personal insight questions about like, tell me about a leadership experience. And so, first things first, leadership. Kids are always like, oh, ASB, it's so fun. I did it for four <laughs> years at my high school, and I'm like, great. You have 350 words. You can't write about four years of ASB. So I get them to start to think about moments, and I and I tell them, think about a moment that maybe isn't the same as everybody else in ASB's moment, right? So if you're making posters till midnight, that's great that you wanna spend your money and your time that way, but let's talk about like a specific experience. Was there a time that it was a challenge for you? Maybe you got into an argument with somebody or mm-hmm. um, maybe everybody was really down for a certain purpose and you know, you're know you really somebody who likes to bring people up. So what did you do to bring up the group? Um, I've had students write about baking cookies And that was their whole essay was about baking cookies and like to boost morale for their team. And again, you're thinking you wrote your UC application essay on making cookies, but it was able to show it's personal and it's different, right? So it's something that they can't, no one else can duplicate. So let's focus on that. No one can duplicate because 
I've been talking to guests out here and people that aren't even guests. We talk about the essays and uh, we had someone come in a few episodes ago and she felt she checked the boxes off. Remember Murph? She just felt she checked the boxes off. You and I talked about it. I'm not going to steal your thunder. What do you call that? It's just, you know, unfortunately, our kids are just their experiences are vanilla. They don't really have anything that's that exciting that's happened to them, which is great when you think about your life. Right. And you, you have um, you, you've had this great life. But what sets you apart from some kid in a different area that has your same GPA let, test let me, score? Let me stop you there. You're doing it the politically correct right way. <laughs> what Marge is saying is here in Orange County, specifically yep. Newport Beach, everybody's vanilla yep. because they've gotten everything their whole life. Mm-hmm. They haven't had the struggle. They haven't had tough times, inner city, right? Correct. Tough situations. So that's the vanilla part. So if you're listening out there, we just probably dropped five followers or 10 followers, <laughs> but it's true. It's it real is. life. It is true. And, and the goal is don't take it. Th- I'm sorry if your butt hurt. <laughs> all right. But this is real life. And if you're out there listening, you should really think about how are you going to impact and separate yourself from that other student, right? Because on paper, a 4.0 student and a 4.0 student is the same. It's the exact same. And we haven't, we're not going to really hit on this too much, but when you think about how kids are evaluated, so first kids are evaluated within their high school, right? So if you're comparatively all of your 4.0 or 4.3 kids, you're evaluated there, and then they evaluate you amongst the kids outside of your high school and then different areas and, you know, in different states. So -hmm. first you're evaluated at your school. So if you're the same as all the people at your school, I know one particular school um, where a student and, you know, parent knew somebody in the admissions office and parent called and they told that parent, well, we had already accepted too many kids from your school. So you were, you were vanilla. We couldn't accept any more because we had already accepted too many from your school. So they have a certain number too. So, and, and Marge, you're giving some great information and, and my guest, obviously we're going to have this podcast today, but you're going to be a future guest because there's information that people can take away and learn. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and we've talked about this before, but sticking on the vanilla part, right? The vanilla and, and then you're talking about high schools having a certain number, right? So how do you get away from vanilla? How can we educate people that are listening to, uh, you know, be different, separate themselves? So you gave some great examples rather than just checking the boxes. Right. And it sounds like having a story. Having some, yes, having a story. And it could be, yes, that you're all on the same team for whatever sport or you're all in NCL or you're all, you know, you're all volunteering at a certain place and that's fine too. But it's about finding that one experience or finding a moment or a couple, you're going to need a couple moments if you're applying to UCs, but finding moments within those experiences that show, pers- you know, positive attributes or that show attributes about your personality. That's what's important, right? Because again, you can all write about the same things, but how is it that within that experience, right. it's different than what your friend Johnny's going to write about? Good point. And let's touch on what you're saying, the high schools looking at a certain number, right? Going to certain colleges. Uh, I agree with you 100%. So can you give a little bit more insight because you hear stories of, well, they only let so many people in or that's a myth or that's a, uh, uh, is that fact or is that fiction? So if I'm hearing you correctly, 
if let's use modern day. We can right. use modern we'll day. We'll use modern day because your husband works <laughs> there, right? And my daughter goes there. So you're saying if I'm an institution, a UC, uh-huh. I only can allow, is it a percentage or a number in? I'm not exactly sure if they, I, I would guess that it's based off of a number, that it's a number. So let's say they allot, um, you know, modern day, they, you know, they, Chris likes to tease me every year that he gets more college. They get more colleges at their college fair than I do. I go, well, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> However, um, it's a matter of, yeah, they're going to pick. You know, they know what level of student is coming out of there. They know what average GPA is. And so, yes, so maybe a UCLA would say, you know, we can only accept 20 to 30 students from modern day this year because, right. you know, we've got to accept 10 to 15 from Servite or 10 to 15 from another school. And so, you know, they're obviously banking on that you're going to go there. Correct. But, you know, if you don't, then there's where that fluctuation is. So let me ask you if you may agree or you may disagree. And I tell my friends and peers this that have kids going through the process. I said college look at, I'm going to use three high schools. OSHA, completely Mm -hmm. different than Newport Harbor in modern day. Yep. And they'll look at Newport Harbor different than modern day and, you know, Newport Harbor, however you're comparing it. So what I, I'm going to be very specific. A 4-0 at modern day, what would you think a 4-0 at modern day is to a 4-0 at Newport Harbor? How would a college look at it? Um, well, first they're going to evaluate the classes that are offered. So um, I would say without looking at their websites, they're going to be pretty – almost identical, right? Because they're going to probably offer a lot of the same classes. I'm not sure if Newport Harbor offers IB. I know. They um, do. Okay. Well, then there you go. So there's an opportunity for a kid to take more classes than at modern day because they don't have IB. So that's one difference. But remember, you're evaluated at your school first. Correct. So let's say if they just strictly had AP and no IB, then they would evaluate the differences in the AP. So not necessarily to say, let's say, Modern day has AP AP stats, and and this is a bad example because most schools have AP stats, but Newport Harbor didn't. That that doesn't penalize the Newport Harbor kid. Does that make sense? Yes. They just evaluate you with where you're at first. I'm going to even be more direct and black and white. If I'm a college and I see a 4.0 at OSHA, Newport Harbor, and modern day, I'm taking OSHA first, Newport Harbor second, modern day third. If you take away the athlete, and just on paper, without your essay, without Marge Yamas's help with the essay, <laughs> just on paper, looking at a number, high schools are looked at based upon rigor and academics Yes. by college admissions yes. differently. Yes, they are. So there you go. You, you heard it because I've been emphasizing that a lot. Uh, and people go, oh, well, my school's such and such, you know. Right. So let's talk. But it's also about your student's rigor. So is your student taking all of the AP and IB classes that they can take and honors classes? Or are they not? Because that's what they're evaluating too. Correct. And I agree. Because some of the guests on this podcast have come from the IB class. Mm -hmm. Separates themselves. Huge. Uh, Do your schools in your district have IB? So the school district that I work for is actually pretty unique, and I haven't really seen this model anywhere else. Um, we have two comprehensive high schools, one of which has only the AP program, and our other comprehensive high school is all IB. So there's a, that's a big difference. A lot of the times the schools are mixed. 
Mm -hmm. um, and they have both and kids have options within that high school. But again, you have to choose in our district. Either you're going to be IB or you're going to be an AP high school. Okay. So I can tell you that um, the student, when I work with students who are in the IB program, they're better thinkers. They're better workers. They're more creative. They're more artistic. And they're, they're being challenged differently. It's real life. I agree. So, I haven't always felt that way, though. I will tell you. I'm more and more so drinking that IB Kool-Aid. But I haven't always felt that really? excited about IB. Mm -hmm. I wish more schools had it. I agree. So let's open up a can of worms. Let's do it. All right, because you don't have any skin in the game. I don't have any skin in the game. Mm -hmm. It's just you and I talking. Yeah. Let's talk about the scandal, all right? Most of our guests maybe... They're students. Yes. Right? They might have heard it from their parents or whatever. Scandal as in the scandal that just went down last year with especially with the big name universities, Stanford, Harvard, Yale, USC, parents paying for their kids getting in. What's your whole take? Tell my audience from a high school counselor, college career counselor coordinator, what's your take on that? So firstly, I, I'm not surprised by it at all. When the news hit, I, I think I actually watched the news that morning and saw like Aunt Becky pays 500000 for daughters to go to school. And I thought, hmm, not surprised, right? This stuff has really been happening for a long time. My, I agree. My take on it, though, is, is that it's just going to make everything more difficult, right? So the UCs are already tightening their belts. All the private schools tightening their belts, right? They're going to look at things a whole lot differently. They're going to be analyzing more and more in-depth kind of what your application looks like. I think it was specifically uh, Lori Laughlin. Um, they said that the, her uh, her daughter's counselors questioned things like, the counselor was like, wait, what's this? And even reached out like to the, the parents and mm -hmm. even reached out to the school. Like, I don't hmm. know. I don't think that they, I've never seen them, you know, be on the rowing team. Like this is odd. And so again, this stuff is, people were questioning it then and things were starting to unravel, but obviously it still happened because of whatever reason. And so it's only gonna ma magnify things more for this application process. So how many Rick Singers do you think are out there? Hmm. Well, I'll say this. I know he's not the only one. There, there just can't be. There's too, many, there's too many channels of different things. And then when you're involving athletics, I think that's when things get sticky. So he's definitely not the only one because we've heard of other stories. I read an article the other day, and I don't, I don't want to say who it was because I, I don't really remember. But it was basically that whoever this coach was at, at this institution, he was doing it on his own on top of what Rick Singer was doing. I think he had made upwards of like $2 million on his own without even doing any of this stuff with Rick Singer. And this might hit home too, because your husband is assistant basketball coach at Modern Day. It's been going on in the college basketball youth amateur AAU level for probably the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And people are just getting caught, right? you know, in terms of funneling the money, funneling the money you know, come play for my club team and then go to this university. It's it's out there. Right. And I still think it's happening. 100%. It probably is. So it'll be interesting to see, too, because I think that this is going to change the game of um, testing, too. You know, that Rick Singer was able to get proctors. I mean, 
Chris and I used to proctor exams and I always held like security to be like the number one thing because I never wanted to be implicated in something like you're giving a kid an unfair advantage. And so it'll be interesting to see how the college board and the ACT really kind of work through some of these things with all this cheating that's happening. And that's why you start to see schools going test optional because they don't really value it as that much of a big thing in college admissions as much anymore because they know how many kids cheat. They're cheating in high school. They're cheating They're in high school. Cheating in grammar school. They're just cheating. And they For don't want what? It, but they say, oh, you know, I only did it once, or I, some girl on the radio said that the other day. I only did it once, I, but I have a 4.6 GPA, but I only cheated a couple times. Like, well, I, I'm sure you cheated more than just a couple times. We talk about this. We actually had this conversation and it brought up your sister. I said, college, you go for the experience. Right. Agree? Yes. You go for the experience. You have fun. You start something. You finish something. Doesn't There's this college for everybody. But at the end of the day, if you're in college, what do you think you're in college for? What would you recommend to the parents out there, these kids? Because it's only four years of their life. Right. It's temporary. It's a very short period of time. So in college, what should these kids be doing? So you should really be trying to figure out, you know, first of all, what what's your next step going to be? I also don't feel like, um, you know, we go to school now and then we're in our careers forever, right? Like how our parents were typically, our, you know, our parents graduated either high school or college and then they've been in that career for 30 years. That's not really happening anymore. Kids are changing jobs kind of like they change their colleges. And so really it's about kind of finding the things that you like. Take those four years to figure out what you like, to figure out what you don't like, what you kind of want to do after college. But it's all about networking, figuring out, Stop meeting. right there. It's all about what? <laughs> networking. Murph, you've always heard me talk about that. It's who you know. It's all about who you know. And as much as you don't want to think that, it really truly is. It's all about who you know. And connecting yourself and the right people. And guess what? The world is very small, so never make enemies. Always be nice and kind and cordial. Keep your enemies closer to you than your friends. <laughs> That's not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I said that. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about ACT, SAT, especially yep. for the audience out here. People are going to, they're going to AR academics. They're going to do extra counseling, my daughters, right? Mm -hmm. uh, one of my daughters has a counseling meeting today, seeing outside counselors, the testing. What's your take on that? So I think it's always good to prep. I think prep is really important uh, because again, it's different than any test that they're gonna take um, in high school anyway. And if you're at a private school, you're not taking that state testing exam. So it's important to have some of those testing skills and strategies for you to be able to help you with these exams. Um, we talked about you know doing it early in your junior year. I would prep before you take the first exam. Um, it, it's pretty rare that I've seen a kid get you know on the SAT more than a 200 you know bump in their score after they've taken it the first time after they've prepped. Same thing with the ACT. I've seen kids maybe get you know two to three more points, sometimes four. So I really recommend you prepping early. Um, using Khan Academy is great because it was built directly for the SAT. It can kind it's of show free. you, and it's free. Better than anything, it's free. But it um, it connects directly to your College Board account, and it really helps you pinpoint those areas of weakness for yourself. So people that are spending the extra money still advise it, still recommend it because one hundred percent. Yeah, it could help. And but to take it seriously, and it's really hard to do, you know, coming into your senior year when you've got all kinds of other things going on. I agree with you 100%. Start early, mm -hmm. right? The preparation. Yep. 
let's talk about now that you have that list, you've done your essays, right? We've narrowed it down. We found that right school. And, and I've talked to my guests about this as well as my own children. And the way I break it down, I say have three stretch schools, three or four stretch schools, uh, four to five moderate schools, and what I like to call them two to three fallbacks. Yes. Tell me your terminology. Tell me agree or disagree. I agree. Um, your terminology is a little off than mine, so I call them reach schools. Um, then in the middle, you have your match and fit schools and then your likely schools, right? We used to call them safety schools. We don't really kind of call it that anymore because it, there's really no guarantee in college admissions. There's also really no like magic formula to kind of how to get this right. to work. And so I agree. Um, I typically tell the students I work with um, six to 10 schools. If you're like, a, you know, if you're really trying to kind of play up that reach school, maybe 12, but you really shouldn't be applying to more than 12 because um, you're getting into when you're looking at common app schools, you're getting into writing two to three to four essays on top of the main essay. And I mean, some kids could be writing 40 essays in the college experience and that it's just too it's just too much and, and it's not it's not helpful if you have more than 12 then they're not your match and fit schools that's the magic number i've been thinking about and i i know sophia went through that same process julie has 10 to 12 schools we had a guest on and i think she had more than 12 schools and she said michael if i get accepted to these schools i wasn't even going to go to them so i said then why did you even apply so that your parent could brag on facebook there you go. Thank you, Marge. <laughs> again, again, that's the vanilla, right? The brand, the sweatshirt, right. my child. Actually, I like to brag that my child got rejected because okay. I knew she was going to get rejected. And she's at Washington now, so she's okay. having a great time. And we'll talk about that campus. But I said, yeah, my daughter got rejected at BC, Cal, UCLA. She got rejected at UC Santa Barbara. Wow. Yeah. Right? I mean, and those are... Uh, up top of my head, she could, those are the four she got rejected to. She had 13 schools. But I told her, if you can get about seven, get accepted to mm -hmm. about seven out of your 12, that's, that's pretty good. That's really good. And Washington was her, we thought, the moderate. That was her number one choice mm -hmm. uh, all along since her sophomore year because she visited that campus four or five times. Um, but I want to point out to, when I say number one, should a parent and should a student have a number one school should they call it that? Are they narrowing? Are they setting themselves up for disappointment? I think yes, in, in a way, especially if that school is, you know, what we consider that reach, right? So if your uh, average GPA and test scores aren't kind of meeting what that is, then yeah, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. Now, if you're the type of kid that says, you know what, I, I do really want to go to that school uh, and I'm realistic and I know that I'm probably not going to get in or I'm just kind of take it's just kind of a long shot here, then why not go the community college route? Why, if that's really what your dream, quote unquote dream school is, then make it your dream and get there. But don't then set yourself up to not get accepted and then you're crushed. You hit on a great point because we don't talk about that that much. Some of my guests that actually have transferred back from right. these brand name sweatshirt schools both stopped at community colleges. Well, they have to. Right. And I said, well, why didn't you do this the first time if you knew you really weren't ready or going to go in there or your number one school was UCLA? Because they think it's embarrassing. I don't want to go to OCC. All the kids go to OCC. They can't go to a four-year. Do you think there's a lot of pressure on kids in high school, especially at modern day, because I'm hearing this, 
that their peers from September, when they start school, to like November, where are you going? Where are you applying? Mm -hmm. And they're embarrassed to say, you know what? I don't know where I want to go. I think I'm just going to go to Golden West. Right. I'm going to go to Santa Ana. It's okay. It is okay. And it, it's, you know, it's unfortunate because we should be able to have these open conversations and not have that pressure for kids. What I actually tell not only the clients I work with, but even the kids that I work with, I actually tell them not to talk about it. You know, it's not really anybody's business. You know, tell your parents that they shouldn't be, you know, you can ask for advice from other parents, but it shouldn't be about, oh, we're applying to all these schools and this is what she's doing. It's a very, you wouldn't talk about your medical records that way or your bank statement that way. So why can't it be a personal and family discussion without everybody else's negative opinion? Yeah, you're all in my shit. (laughs) I haven't sworn on my podcast in a long time. So you know what? You hit on a great point because I've learned a lot in probably the last two months just with these podcasts when i talk to julia's friends first question i ask them because i used to say tell me your top three right you want to know what question i ask them now yes i do what community college are you thinking about and they look at me like what marge their face is like (laughs) mr fong i said no it's okay if you want to go to community college i don't want to put pressure on you obviously you have your schools but it's okay i just want you to think there's a lot of pressure out there. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. Or how about even just kind of what's your goal? Like what's your, what's your ultimate goal out of college or what's your ultimate goal, you know, after college, what do you want to do? I don't, I think our focus changed from asking kids about careers just strictly about college, but what, what is it that they do want to do after? Correct. I want to talk about some of the schools that you're really high on. Yes. Right. Some of them, uh, that my audience and uh, parents as well as students should think about right here in California. Okay. As well as maybe some that, you know, it ain't all that hype. It ain't <laughs> all that hype. So let's talk about your, out of your top two schools here in California. Which ones would they be? Top two schools in California. So definite- That aren't the brand name that aren't the uh, sweatshirt school. So if we're going to go private, one that I have visited recently that I really, really like and I'm really high on is University of Redlands. I think it's an awesome campus. It's like almost brand new, great environment. Yes, you're in Redlands, I understand. So, you know, for an Orange County kid, that might be a little hard pill to swallow, but it could be for a kid who, you know what, they're not ready to move away, but Redlands is far enough away that, hey, if they need to come home on the weekend, they totally can. It's probably about like an hour and 15 minute Mm -hmm. drive or so. Not too bad. Uh, the dorms are beautiful there. They have, they're really known for their, um, I believe they call them their four plus one program. So a student can, um, or maybe three, three plus two, they can get a bachelor's and a master's in five years, which is awesome. And for relatively the same price as a four year degree, like that's the stuff that kids should be looking for. And they like, don't know about it. They don't know about it. And they, I'm pretty sure they have one in engineering. Where else do you know that you can get a bachelor's and master's in engineering in that short of time? And you call that what? I think it's four plus four plus one. Four plus one. University of Redlands. And that was my most recent campus that I visited. Okay. So it's like number 125. I can't even keep track, Marge, of how many campuses That's now. That's so awesome. But I was there. Uh-huh. What you just talked about is if you're driving around, you're on vacation, you see a school, pull over. Well, I actually had a business meeting there. Uh-huh. And you know me, I like to take all my pictures and my meeting was done so i'm walking out we're doing a lunch meeting and right in front of that university admissions office yes you look across and you see the san Bert, san gregorio mountains in the uh-huh. backdrop i took a picture and i said yes this is a great campus and 
Then I drove around. I went through all the Greek houses. Yep. Right? It's on the hills, the small campus, and you're still in the little town area. Redlands? University of Redlands, people. It's out there. (laughs) Private institution. Tell me another institution that you like that you visited recently so that i visited recently i went to lmu this summer um i had been there before for you know kind of just on campus for something else and so i actually did an official um tour uh back in july great also you know similar um environment beautiful they're you know they've got brand new buildings they're you know great landscaping again that small learning community great dorms you're by the freaking beach for christ's sake you're on this hill right like you i mean you can't get any better than you know being right near venice and um all the great stuff so you know people talk about going to ucla or usc and you're in you know and you're in this area of la but like what's better than venice and right by the beach but still in la with all these great restaurants I have a friend that I was with last night. His daughter's playing volleyball at LMU. And I okay. said, I can't wait to go out there. And we, I talked to, I've only been on that campus once. Okay. And I remember this little restaurant you throw, and I think they still have it. You throw peanuts okay. uh, there and you drink beers and I don't know what it is. Next time I have an LMU student on, we'll talk about it. I want to talk about a couple things and maybe we could talk, that could be a whole other episode. Your take on, because there's a lot of high school student athletes that go to college do they go through the same process like what do you know what do you not know most of my listeners i really haven't had a student athlete on besides uh, the raiden sisters from modern day uh, that talked about their experience from vanderbilt to cal but i really haven't focused on you know what does a student athlete go through in terms of the college search admission process not the recruiting part but then the grades the testing Yeah, so it's definitely different, right? Because you're being, you know, you're being what I call kind of courted either by your own coaches helping you with that courting process, your parents, and you're being courted by a coach. And typically that coaches, they have whatever their, you know, formula is like, you know, you've got to have, I I remember actually a, a student at modern day that had Chris had on his basketball team, you know, being recruited by a school. And, um, you know, they kept talking about, you know, he's got to have the, he's got to at least take the SAT. Right. I probably he needs should. at least. Well, I don't think there was at least oh, a at score. Least. I think it was like, he's got to just take it. I probably shouldn't say this stuff, but um, he's got to at least take the SAT. And so I remember, um, you know, Chris was helping him actually do it, um, you know, or I should say uh, register for the exam or, you know, Chris was texting me like, when's the, when is this? Um, we talked about grades, you know, hey, this, you know, the, this kid got a D in English, you know, can we, you know, what, what does that look like at said school? And, you know, so I'm, you know, helping and doing research, but, you know, they still have to make some sort of grade, right? Like there still has to be some sort of effort from them. Um, I know another actually student that Chris was working with, um, the university was telling the girl uh, that she had to have a certain number on the ACT and this poor girl worked her tail off and finally got that number and she then didn't get accepted. The school took away. They said, no, sorry, we've moved on. And After she got the uh, the number that they wanted, they kept telling her, "Get a 24, get a 24." Works her tail off, gets the 24, and they said, "We've moved on. We're gonna go to someone else." That's why I also talk about if we're talking about like verbal commits, mm-hmm. right? It's just a verbal commit. They're selling you like you're selling them. At right. the end of the day, it's not a done deal unless you, 
unless you step foot on the campus right. as a freshman student. Well, and luckily this girl, you know, she she's at Syracuse now. She's happy as can be. It was oh, I the know right, who you're talking about. It was the right fit for her the whole time. And so it was good. I should have her on my student podcast. Yeah, she would be yeah. a good one to have. Shout out to Bree. No, it wasn't Bree. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I thought I nailed it. Okay, so my Bree's bad. at Oregon. But Bree would be a good person to have on there, too. Yeah, she would, huh? Yeah. Marge, you've been a great guest. Do you want me to give you a don't do not write about? Oh my the gosh! The last thing we got to yes. do here. You know what? This, as my audience is listening, there are do nots regarding the essay because again, Marge Yamas is the boot camp master. We might bring her here to Orange County, Newport Beach, to help some of you all. But these are the do nots. Yes. For essay writing. So you do not want to write about moving, divorce, anything before high school broad topics or sports did you hear that with that repeat that one more time yes moving divorce anything before high school broad topics and sports there you go marge yamas again high school counselor career coordinator for a school district in los angeles lovely mom to ellie Yamas, who's 11 months, and the wife of Chris Yamas. we got to have your husband on this podcast. Yeah. Assistant coach at Modern Day. And we're just, our goal again is helping students and parents with this college admission research process and the whole college experience, the life of it. Yep. Right? If you don't mind, I want to have you on in the future. Sure. We could talk I would more. love to. Yes. We try and keep our podcast within that 30, 40 minute range. But when they're good and when you have a lot of information to share, we kind of go over. So I want to thank all my followers and listeners to episode number 12 of the Student Manager Podcast. We can't go uh, out with not thanking our executive producer, Murph Cargis. And we also want to thank our uh, sponsor, Fonger News. Fonger News always sponsors like student manager. It's only me. I just have to say that. (laughs) But anyways, until our next episode, it's been great having you. Thank you. Good luck for all those parents out there that are going through this application process at this time and students. You'll be fine. At the end of the day, you will be okay. With that said, Fonger News out.